0: Hello, thank you for being here. I'm Derek, the creative behind Rhodes PC, and on this episode of the PC Modding and Making Podcast, we have Ron Christensen of Blue Horse Studios joining me. I'm super excited about this as I look up to Ron uh, in a number of ways, Uh, not only because he's a great and humble dude, but also because of the work he puts out is extremely, extremely cool, and uh, his sculpting and painting skills are definitely next level, and I'm really excited to hear his story, and you know where he's come from and where he's going. Before we jump into that, I want to give a quick thank you to Woosh. Woosh has gone ahead and issued us a 15% discount code on their Shopify app. Uh, If you use Rhodes PC uh, to purchase any Woosh product, you'll save yourself 15%, and I do earn a kickback, uh, which helps in in a lot of ways uh, trying to maintain this channel and PC modding projects. Uh, It's an expensive hobby. So if you're into uh, keeping your phone clean and your screens clean and things like that, uh, keeping in mind that everything you touch ends up on your phone. Go and save 15% using Rhodes PC on woosh.com. All right. Okay, on to our guest, the very special Ron Christensen. Hey, Ron, thanks for being here.
1: yeah, thanks for having me
0: can you tell uh tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got started in art
1: <laughs> wow mm-hmm. that's I mean that goes way back to when I was just a kid, I guess um well, I mean, I've always been came from a family of artists, actually. So um, my I older brother is a painter. Grand, yeah, my grandfather is a painter. And it's uh, just been in the family. Um, I've always sculpted and painted and sketched and did some sort of something always creative. I mean, I knew ever since I, I was little, I wanted to be an artist. And I was uh, kind of one of those kids that while everybody else was doing math, I was out drawn in my in my textbooks and (laughs) and doodling, you know and my mind was like like racing and running wild and yeah so but um yeah but how i got into pc modding it's kind of like it's story's not too different than other people's um i didn't know anything about building computers or how to build computers or what you know a motherboard or hard drive or any of that was and and I had my own personal PC, I believe it was like a Hewlett Packard, um, can't even remember what it was, but um, I needed to upgrade it because it just wasn't running the programs for my, my art programs like Paint Shop Pro and Adobe Photoshop. And I needed a system that was a little bit more powerful. And so I tried to upgrade it. <laughs> I tried is because I failed miserably. Oh, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. I ended up like frying the PC, you know, um, but that got like my curiosity going, okay, now I'm like, since I dis- just destroyed my PC, now I got to build one from the ground up. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, 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 there was things out of that, that out of that PC that I could, I still used, you know, like the hard drives and, you know, the memory and stuff like that. But anyways, long story short, I, I rebuilt that PC and, um, and i just became so fascinated with you know you know the, just the makings of what goes into building a pc and then i was like okay well what can i do to be, like actually personalize this and make this like kind of like my own you know and i'm like man this is just like a blank canvas it's just like this beige case with nothing on it i mean like i could totally paint this you know and do something cool to it so i painted my first case and it came out okay you know and and then i'm like okay well i know that i can take this a little bit further and so i just started looking online and and uh, at that time the internet was very young and the the modding community was very very small there was just a few forums out there but i found a found this pc that really spoke to me and it was by uh um paul capello um i guess he goes by crimson sky and it was the doom three build or doom build or something like that and it the the style the uh, the the architecture the language of the pc just like the the sculpting and it just spoke to me because i was already doing that for many many years but i hadn't done it on top of a pc and so I'm like okay that's what i'm gonna do so i started a youtube channel specifically to document my process of building my first scratch-built pc and it was a 15-part series it was the biohazard series and i made so many mistakes along the way <laughs> and had a lot of successes but made many 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 mistakes but you know the thing is about making mistakes how much you learn from those mistakes and um, yeah along the way, I started, um, gaining sponsorships. My first was, uh, Bill Owen from MMPC tech. Really? And then, um, uh, yeah. And then it was like a thermal take and then Kula master and then NVIDIA. And then they all kind of just came through and, you know, 17 years later, you know, we're working with the game developers and Intel and all, you know, all these, you know, top vendors, um, in the industry, you know, on a daily basis. But, I mean, going back to, you know, that first day when I, (laughs) when I started documenting like the project on YouTube, I had no idea it would come this far. You know, I was just, I just wanted to just build something and document it and just do something creative. And I'm so glad that I did because anything that I've done, like anything, well, anything that, you know, that I've put my heart into, like creatively, has always worked out for me. And so I've always stuck with that as long as I've known that I'm I'm sticking to what I'm passionate about and what my calling is and not treat this as a job or a career, but treat it as my passion that I know it's gonna work out for me. So I've always treated it that way and I've always treated my projects as art first and then hardware second. Um, not that any disrespect to the hardware side of it, but I'm approaching the project as an artist first and as a sculptor first and how I envision a project first. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's been 17 years now and I, you know, I wouldn't change it for a bit. And we have got to meet so many amazing, wonderful people in this industry. Um, Got to work with, quite a few different celebrities and athletes and gamers and obviously people like you and Liquid House and PC Works down the ICC. I mean, creating like uh, memories like those, I mean, I, you just can't tr- trade it for the, you, there's nothing that comes close to it. You know, it's like the best part of like this industry is being able to get the modding community and the gaming community together to celebrate events and hang out. Because I mean, we're all at the end of the day, you know, just people trying to make a living and and making a living at what you love to do is there's nothing better than that.
0: No, it's it's a it's a super sought after kind of uh, way to live is to be able to actually support yourself in a way that you enjoy, because there's a lot of people, myself included, who, uh, you know, after you get out of school, I got out of high school. uh, So I was a I was a musician and I went to college for a music degree which really didn't get me very far I I never completed that and then I was working at a music store and then uh, like a friend of mine was doing windshields so I went and worked with him because it paid more than the music store and then then I fell into cranes uh, because it paid more than the windshields and like while I enjoyed cranes and getting into it and I you know have my journeyman ticket and stuff it was never what I aspired to be and to actually you know there's two things there to know what you want to be and then to actually you know live it are both super kind of like a pinnacle you know points to a to to life you know if mm-hmm. if you can identify those two things and then live it i think that's super powerful dude and i think it's really cool that you come from a whole family uh, of artists and they you know acted as such or worked as such and they taught you and you you went against the grain and kind of stuck to your to your guns, uh, you know, to live that life, to live the artist life. It's cool. Yeah,
1: you know, it's and um, yeah, I mean you said it right there is being being able to find the thing that you love to do and 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 seek it out and make it your own and, and try to make a living at it. And I think all of us you know, are trying to do that or have done that or are doing that. Um, some of us it takes a little bit longer um, to find the path, you know, of what you're meant to do. Um, I've always looked at it as like I never wanted to have a job or a career, but I wanted to do something that was a call, was my calling. Um, that way, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed, that I did what God meant for me to to do, you know, to be on this planet to do. And I feel like I'm on that path, you know, and it's um it's just crazy how 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 life can just spin you in a completely different direction. Um I mean you talked about, you know, that you're you know, you've music degree and and working, you know doing construction and crane. And now you have this calling to, you know, to approach your, your, you know, your creative side. And I think that's fabulous. Because I mean, it's, it's like this quiet roar that happens in people that if you just hear it, you know, inside and this voice inside that's telling you to do something, and if you just listen to it enough, and, and you eventually take that leap, you'll be surprised. And, and you'll kick yourself that you didn't do it much sooner. <laughs> there's a
0: there's a very, uh, I don't know how you describe it over audio, or, or even if we were talking face to face, or the people who are listening. But when you have that kind of a calling, it's a really strange confidence that kind of grows inside of you. Like, for example, you learn of something that you want to do. So let's, mm-hmm. you know, and then you find a very high price tag to it, but if it's, if it's kind of a a part of the path that you want to be on, you know, passionately, it does not even, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's not frightening. It's I'm confident and, and I believe I'll find a way because it's what's supposed to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Where that same price tag in a different context, like, you know, Oh, all of a sudden I need a new car or something. That's horrifying. And I would never
1: spend that. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah. it's,
0: it's neat.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And that, that's, it's kind of funny because it just, it just makes you think about like certain things in life. Like you, you know, you go on a job interview and you're so nervous and, or whatever, and you're going to a job interview that for a job that you probably don't even want, or you even care to do because it's not your calling. But once you, but, but you don't, you, you don't have that nervousness or that apprehension to, you know, God, I don't know how to articulate it into
0: (laughs) I know what you're saying, though. You're more nervous for a job interview you don't want than for one you do want.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, that's an eloquent way of of saying it. But um, it's kind of funny how when you when you know that you're doing what you love. And you have like because I didn't I haven't always like just worked as you know, working with the PC and gaming industry, I didn't just like use this as my full time income, I you know, I was still had a day job that I worked every day. And it was just kind of funny, because like, I would, I would, a part of my brain would be at the shop, still with the projects and my other half of my brain would st- have to be present at, at my day job and the struggle between the two the battle between the two was just like it it was something i could never get over i always felt like when i was at the day job I, i was not in the right place i felt like a a fish out of water and i've always never been i've never been successful at doing anything else than other than my art and so that's when i know that you know i'm on the right path because i'm it's something that you know that i I feel confident in it's something that, you know, a gift that God has, has given me to, to be able to do in this world. And I, I feel blessed. Um, you've had I some pretty good, po- you've had some good
0: pointers along the way though, that you're, uh, you know, pretty exceptional at it, dude, like building for uh, you did a computer for Hodor. You just kicked our butts at ICC, you know, things like that
1: also lets you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is like with, with, <laughs> Doing like projects like that, you know, like the ones like for hordor and the ones for ICC, is that I mean, like for Icc, I mean i I viewed that as 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 a project for the community. I don't believe there was any one winner that came out of that. We all won that together. That's a part yeah. that was that is a that was a. I mean, yeah, it was classified as a competition, a creator's challenge or, you know, or, you know, but I looked at it as anytime you can get the modding community and stuff like that t- together, it's, it's a win for everybody. And like the projects for horde like Hordor and for the celebrities, that's, for me, that's, that's, I don't know, just an acknowledgement to the to reaffirm that I am on the right path and I am doing what I, I should be doing. Um, it never like goes to my head. I try to stay humble and, and oh, allow very my work to just to speak for my for myself. I'm like, some people may like it. Some people may hate it. I mean, but as long as I'm happy with it, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to be part of the industry and be able to meet like new people every time, like going down like to San Diego and, and uh, you know, hanging out with you and John and Ellie and Tim and, you know, all these new streamers that I've never met before that, I mean, that's, that's the best part of it. You know, it's like, and then, you know, get back to the shop with a whole, you know, all these new uh, ideas. I don't know if you can hear my dog is crying behind me. <laughs>
0: it's that's just okay. like, they the
1: put her out yeah no no she, she's okay she just wants attention but that's um yes yeah, but uh you know it's like but all that you know you get you get all this excitement and stuff like that you know going to these shows and you get like these creative pushes and stuff like that and you're just so eager to get back to the shop and get back to work and um yeah that's like i wouldn't it's trade weird. it for the world
0: it's weird how that builds up like i i had the best time at san diego meeting you guys was incredible and I actually said in my last podcast episode that I felt like I won ICC uh, mm-hmm. just just because of the way that, you know, my booth handled or, or how do I say how my booth got the attention from you guys because my build didn't show up. But really, it was also just the encouragement from you guys going into it. It felt pretty, pretty incredible, dude. And it really uh, like I've been in my shop way too much since I got home because I, I got home and it was like, I want to make everything like I just want to start making stuff. And I immediately took, you know, material uh, tips from you and techniques uh, on your Elden Ring PC that we saw at TwitchCon and I bought some materials and I've been working towards getting to try it myself because to see that stuff in person versus on your phone or on Instagram, it gives it a lot more life and it gives the idea more, uh, like you can really understand what you're saying because I saw it, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's kind of like, you know, artists, you know, they all, all, a lot of artists like live in artist communities so they can get, you know, inspiration off each other and learn different techniques. I mean, you go back, you know, hundreds of years, you know, some of the great painters would paint with each other, you know, Gauguin and Van Gogh and I mean, it's, uh, it, it goes back forever. You know, artists always work with other artists, you know, to gather inspiration skills. I mean, same as with craftsmen, you know, any type of trade industry, we're all, I look at it that we're all apprentices of each other. We're all learning from each other. And, um, Yeah. I mean, it's like, I I agree with you, man. It was like, I was itching to get back to uh, back to Portland and get back in the shop and start creating and, and uh, making cool stuff. And I mean, honestly, I, you know, I really thought you should have won ICC. I mean, you were giving an insurmountable task and what you pulled off with the limited tools that you had to do it with and with (laughs) what you're working with. I'm surprised. I mean, looking at the scores, uh, you should, I, you should you should be walking away with that grand prize because i'm like if i was left with if i was given that same scenario i don't know if i would have i i probably would have went and found the snack room and had a coffee or something so, <laughs> no way <laughs> You'd have been fired. uh i don't know man i'm like i it's like i couldn't have done it know.
0: without your dremel
1: yeah, yeah, that was so fun Yes, like that was like, that was the most hilarious thing because the guy comes in over my ear and he says, "Hey Ron, do you, do you ha- do you happen to have a Dremel?" I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, I have a Dremel." And he goes, "Okay, Derek needs a Dremel," and I'm like, "All right." Two seconds later, "Do you have any cutoff bits?" I'm like, "Yeah." "Do you have any hoses like for like liquid cooling?" I'm like, "Hoses? You mean yeah tubing?" He's like, "Yeah." It's like and he goes, oh, "How about fittings? Do you have fittings?" I'm like. I'm like, do you want to just have Derek come over here and see what he can use and what he can't? And it was funny because, like, the Dremel is like, he's like, oh, you know, do you have the Dremel? Like, do you have with cutoff bits? I'm like, yeah. So he got, he comes over and he he grabs the Dremel and the cutoff bits, and it, I'm seriously, it wasn't like 30 seconds later, I can hear that Dremel just buzzing I'm like oh Derek must really needed that tremble (laughs) because you had the thing fired up quick man I was like sparks are flying over the barrier and I was like oh my goodness
0: (laughs) yeah I was uh I was in the zone I was actually kind of worried because that backdrop behind us was like cloth yeah I was shooting all the sparks right at it
1: yeah that would have been great (laughs) oh
0: just to add to my booth well booth four
1: burnt down (laughs) yeah well we had that resin 3d printer there and i believe the resin is flammable and it was like wide open if a spark would have hit that i don't know (laughs) oh yeah. yeah yeah that
0: was really fun i'm actually super grateful you had all that stuff and it taught me things to bring to the next event like that like just bring everything
1: yeah that's actually that just comes from experience from doing like so many of these shows it's like when we were over in modern taiwan we uh lee harrington and i had like a a similar issue where we had shipped some stuff that didn't arrive and we looked everywhere all over taipei to see if we can find it like certain glues like that got confiscated in like during transit during customs and stuff like that that i don't know it's like they took it out of our out of our shipment and and so we had a we had to make do with what we had, and so now it's just like I kind of just like for shows like trying to plan for what the build is, and then a contingency plan like if something were to fail, okay, this is what I'm gonna use for backup, and then also think about okay, what if the other teams what if they forget something, could this be used for them you know, so extra pump, extra radiator, extra fittings, extra hoses, stuff like that, you know yeah so yeah, I mean, I'm glad it worked out for you, man. It's like
0: <laughs> But uh did, yeah.
1: So whatever happened to your PC, did it ever like arrive or is it still like at the Children's Museum or So that
0: build uh had such a weird story for anybody listening that wasn't following ICC. ICC was an event where four of us went down and competed in San Diego. Uh flying from Canada when I got to San Diego, customs held on to my build. Uh, straight up through the event. And I was kind of left on site without the project I had prepared. Uh, But thanks to Ron and the other modders on site, I ended up getting a build done, uh, kind of mixing, mashing parts. And also my streamer, Larksa, pitched in a bunch and helped me paint it all. Uh, But the build that was meant for that event showed up at the New Children's Museum on the 12th, which is like seven days after the event. And they called me, they're like, Hey, we have uh, three boxes here for you and Intel and everybody we were working with has long cleared out of San Diego. Uh, so it was kind of a funny bit of logistics, getting my build sent from me down to San Diego and then shipped up to, uh, Intel's headquarters. And it's just sitting there now, I think because going into the event, like Larkso won that computer, so it belongs to her. So I think they're kind of figuring out, you know, how do we get it put together and give it to her? Cause well, it's, it was no one's fault that it didn't show up, but she showed up to the event and left with nothing. And then her computer that I made for her is just sitting in California. Now <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> funny.
1: Yeah. You handled it like a champ though, dude. Just, like, Thanks like, I man. don't know. I don't know how, I mean, I would have, jeez, I would have panicked. <laughs>
0: oh, I, <laughs> I panicked. Uh, I panicked a little bit before and then a little bit after, but I was all right during the stream.
1: Yeah. It was fun. I would have just, grabbed one of those. iBuyPower power PCs and like modified that. I'm like, they'd be like, Hey, where did that PC go? <laughs> we had a really
0: nice one here. I don't know where yeah. it went, but just getting to do that event was so cool. I was wondering, so you operate under blue horse studios. That's your brand. And mm-hmm. you know, you've mentioned painting and sculpting is kind of like your main, uh, like that that's, that's the wheelhouse that you like to live in for your PC mods, but does Blue Horse Studios uh, do anything outside of computers?
1: Yeah. So a funny thing about people always ask, you know, why Blue Horse Studios? Cause it, it doesn't have a very techy name, you know, like modding or PC in it, you know? So Blue Horse Studios was, was founded before I was, even got into PC modding. Um, you know, as, as I said earlier, you know, I was, a painter and a sculptor long before I got into PC modding, and I was doing you know murals and paintings and sculptures and all all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so yeah, we do a lot more than PC modding. Um, we do a quarter scale figures, statues, props. Um, we're, we work with quite a few game developers to actually just create props from the game games we're working with uh, riot games right now on some Radiantite crates i can't say too much about that because it is under nda but they are radianite crates that will be going to streamers Um, don't have the list of streamers that they're going to that's part of what's under the nda but um, yeah and some uh, like uh, 3d printed props um, to go along with those Um, we're going to be working with wargaming on a uh, aerial torpedo Um, originally there was supposed to be a PC that goes inside of it. Now I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think it's more of just going to be a prop. Um, but yeah, um, just a little bit of everything. It's, um, anything, you know, that we can sculpt and create, you know, we'll do here. Absolutely. That's awesome, dude. I love that kind of scene. And just because, so like the podcast
0: is PC modding and making. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I, I'm trying to use this podcast to because I've always been a huge fan of makers and like, right. I, follow, I follow woodworkers and blacksmiths and, you know, tinkerers and robotics guys. And I really like to see, you know, how they go about building stuff or, or bringing their visions to life. And right. PC modding is kind of just where I struck a chord, you know, while <laughs> trying to just make stuff and whatever. Because it, it's, it's pretty uh, in line with what you're saying what how I like to approach a project kind of art first or like vision first and then the hardware second, it's kind of like that that's what a maker would do. So I'm trying to use this podcast to bridge between the PC modding and the makers and the prop makers and the model painters and things like that. Because like I've noticed out in, out in the wild, if you go out, you know, into some forest and you catch a maker chopping down a tree about to build a birdhouse, and you said to him, do you know what PC modding is? Because we do the same thing. He'll, he might say no, because our hobby is so niche, even though we employ a bunch of the same, you know, skills and, uh, you know, techniques that other hobbies do like making, right? So it's cool to let people know like blue horse studios and the people who follow you for computers can also follow you to see a, you know, a quarter size Luke Skywalker come to life, you know, mm-hmm. cause that'd be cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you, I mean you said it right there it's like um you know you approach the project as art first and then the hardware second because that's the way I look at it it's like like if you look you know, you're talking about you know craftsmen and you know blacksmith and stuff and they make say you know for an example you have a you know a carpenter that makes you know makes a beautiful tool chest you know with all these drawers and everything inside of it to me that's the mod the tools that that craftsman puts inside that chest is the hardware. And that's kind of the way that I've always looked at it because the mod lives on forever, the hardware can is interchangeable, you can always take that out and upgrade it and put new stuff in it. But that mod will live forever. And so that's a
0: cool way to look at that. I've never thought of a a piece of furniture. So akin to a computer like that. (laughs) I
1: like it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, I I'm, I'm with you on that, man. I follow a lot of different blacksmiths and uh, carpenters and like uh, Adam Savage is one of my great favorite makers. Um, uh, um, there's another, um, woodworker here in Oregon, uh, Blacktail studios. He's pretty amazing. I actually oh, ran I've, into I've seen his stuff before for sure. Yeah. I actually ran into him at tap plastics one day, picking up some material. He's a pretty cool, dude. <laughs> wow, cool.
0: Yeah. Dude, I
1: want to, so he, this is like a podcast
0: formal informal uh infight that me and you go to the next silicon,
1: ooh, yeah, that's, we should uh, definitely Adam, go yeah we gotta we gotta make some cosplay outfits for sure, <laughs>
0: yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, that's Adam savage's con that, yeah uh, he he only put on the first one this year, and when I knew about it and then watched the videos afterwards, I thought that looks like the best place on earth, and I really wish I was there. Uh, it took place in San Francisco. And I'm well, writing hopefully it down that we're going here next year.
1: Well, hopefully you'll be living on this side of the border uh, by then.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> the that's the goal. So, did we want to shout
1: out now? Uh, what's what's on the horizon for Blue Horse Studios? So, I mean, it's always been a vision of the of the studio to continue to grow and take on like uh, bigger clients and just expand, basically, do what we're doing now, but on a larger scale. And um, so, my vision here, uh, my wife and I's vision for the studio, is is to continue what we're doing, uh, the style of projects that we're doing, everything um, built in house. And we, you know, there's some things that we have to outsource, just by law, like clear coat and some powder coating and stuff like that. Um, but have everything created here under one roof, um, and all handmade, artist made. Um, by local craftsmen, and uh, continue to grow the studio into where we're not just building one project for one client, but several projects for for hundreds of clients. You know, and uh, PC modding would just be a small chapter of that. Um, definitely, we're really pushing towards the movie industry and prop making, and um, getting the studio to where. I'm thinking like Weta Workshop style, ILM style. I don't know if I'll get in, we want to get into like the movie special effects, but more on the practical effect prop making is where we're, we're kind of leaning towards. You know, Weta and ILM are, you know, they're very known for their um, their industrial light side. You know, that's where the name comes from, industrial light magic, you know, but they're very known for their, their movie special effects, like CGI and kind of all that stuff. But um, I really want to lean towards more of the practical effects side. That's where my skill set lies. And I want to hire a team team of artists that are just as skilled and passionate about doing that as well. Um, PC modding would still be uh, a chapter of that business because it's something that blue horse studios has grown into. And there is a, we have a lot of clients that still want that work. Um, I'm not thinking like of doing, you know, a, an SI, but more of, um, a custom shop. Like if somebody wanted to come in and have their, their PC modified that we can do that for them. I don't plan on carrying, you know, a million dollars of, <laughs> of inventory and hardware. Um, I don't want that reliability or that liability. Um, I'm thinking more of like having the studio be more of a like a like if you think about like a custom motorcycle shop somebody would come in and they'd bring in their their motorcycle or you'd build this custom motorcycle each project would be would be specific for each client and what they want that we wouldn't have like where you like on the website a drop- down sheet where you you pick your thing and what you want and then it goes through a process order and then it just gets built on an assembly line i don't no, that's, there's a lot of other people that do that and they do that very well. I'm, I want to stick with what we do already and just make it bigger. Yeah. I love that dude. And I'd, I'd love to be a part
0: of it. I am doing my best to get across the border for anyone listening. That knows a <laughs> thing or two about a thing or two. I'm trying to find the best way to align with Ron and get down there to help him out. Cause
1: you know, well, I, I, Passionate people are the best, you know, people that, you know, that work from their heart, you know, I mean, you can hire anybody to do any job in the world and train them to do it. But people that are passionate about what they do, and they feel like it's their calling. That's the people I want to surround myself with, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. And on a, like on a skill level, I got, uh, uh, you know, tons and tons to learn. But on the passion level, I'm absolutely overflowing when I get to make stuff. And I, I want to touch on two things here. One of them is when you talked about how you saw that first Doom build that really kind of lit the fire towards PC modding and like what you can do with it for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had that moment when I saw your cyberpunk build. <laughs> uh, I, I swear I was writing these articles for the Extreme PC UK uh, magazine with Nick Taylor and I was having fun with it for a couple of months. And then it was like, hold the phone. Who is this guy? When I saw a blue or studios build, and I was like, that can be done with the computer. So obviously, you know, when I, uh, I wrote the little interview, those were all my questions, like things I was like, how did you do this? You know, how did you paint that? How did you sculpt that? You can, how do you even wrap your head around that kind of vision going into a computer? And I've really tried to, you know, aim, aim my time and my effort towards learning to do, Things more like what you do because that style spe- really speaks to me, and uh, I totally forgot the second thing I wanted to touch on. <laughs> I, I absolutely did, oh, and I just like no, no, I remember what it was now, and like on the the making side of things, and like how you know you're passionate while making stuff for ICC. I was just doing this. Castle build, which I swear I've talked about all the time, and nobody's even seen it because I never took a picture of it before shipping it. But it had like 1200 bricks on it. And the tower was the seven sided tower with a door and windows and, uh, you know, bricks going up all, each of the seven sides. And I glued, like, you know, I weathered them all uh, in a box with rocks, beat them all up, cut them on a Proxon, uh, which is a like a wire cutter for foam and I glued them one by one with a hot glue gun. And the reason I did one by one is because I wanted them all to have a little bit of character, you know, like, I wanted to be sure that every brick I put down was the way I wanted it to, you know, kind of be different from the guy next to it or different from the bricks below it or above it. And I realized after three nights, uh, you know, to, just to give a little bit extra context to the story, I've got kids, some of them are very young, Uh, so when I would put them to bed at night, I would go in the shop. So I put them to bed at seven 30. Then I'd go in the shop to like four or five and then carry on the next day for three days. I was doing these bricks and not once was I bored or upset or frustrated. And I clued into that on the third night. Like am I a psychopath? I've been enjoying this whole time. It's (laughs) it's so weird. I was like, this felt like therapeutic and nice when it should be feeling tedious and
1: horrible (laughs) it's really weird no not at all man i mean you're 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 in your groove you're in your zone man that's that's what it's about you know when you get when you have that that creative rush and that pulse i mean there's there's no pulling pulling you out of it it's like being a being in a stuck in a in a pit full of tar but like a creative tar i'm like you're in it until till that creative spurt is over with you know, it's like it's it's funny how you can spend the time in in your studio and then look up and you've got like eight hours have passed, wow, fifteen hours have passed, and you realize that you haven't eaten or drinking anything all day either because you just <laughs> yeah. been working and, and you know sculpting and painting all day. You know, it's like, yeah, that's I mean, the, the funny thing is, it's like you know i i never noticed this before until it was pointed out to me and like we always we keep referring back to adam savage and like i don't know if how many of your listeners know who adam savage is but i would hope that they all do yeah i hope so um he's probably the maker of all makers he uh he was a toy maker worked for ilm for a while he was on mythbusters but now he runs tested on youtube and he's just he's a really humble fantastic guy and just makes all sorts of different types of movie props world renowned uh, world-renowned maker but anyways uh, my point is he always like um, he made this uh, um, the statement once is that you know when you're growing as an artist is when or as a maker artist or craftsman you know when you're growing as a maker artist or craftsman if you're constantly changing your studio and I'm like you know what that that makes a lot of sense because you're you're you you're trying to because you, your your shop is growing with you it's growing with your skills if you're bringing in a new piece of material you're bringing in a new piece of equipment your shop is growing with you you're learning you're because you're constantly learning as, you know as we pointed out earlier you know we're all apprentices and and as we learn as, as we're all on this this creative journey or whatever we're on um, believe it or not we're always learning eager to learn new things. You know, we always, we're never going to get to the point where we're like, Oh, I know everything. I I don't need any more um, tutoring or apprenticeship at this point. And like, I don't think any true craftsman or maker ever gets to that point where they say, okay, I've, I've, I've learned enough. Um, And as we learn and as we grow, our shops continue to grow too. As we learn new things, it's like, like last year, two years ago, I didn't have a laser cutter and two, Two, three years before that, I didn't have 3D printers. Two years three, before that, I didn't have all the woodworking files and lays and stuff like that. So as you grow as, a, as, a, as an artist, you, you know, your shop grows with you. And if you're constantly changing around your shop and organizing your shop, that's actually a good sign that you're being productive. And oh, i, I like and that. it never it never made sense to me until it was put in, into a different context where I understood it and and I always thought that I was just unorganized <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that, and we
0: were just saying before the show like i i i didn't I never knew Adam savage had said that, but I can totally relate to it and I really found that so here in you know july august september i've I've gone through my biggest kind of highest profile projects to date. So that was my project with Asus, uh, which I could touch on in our episode two and tell you something about that one. And then uh, ICC. And during ICC, I really kind of feel like I hit my stride in my shop. So I I was set up. I share a a two-car garage. I share one side of it. But I I was set up with kind of a a photography station at the back. And then I have a 24-inch by 24-inch CNC and I had a workbench against a wall, kind of beside the CNC, and then an airbrushing table, just like a fold-out table, paints everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the changes that I made was I built a little stand for next to my CNC for the stuff that I have to use all the time. Like the the main bits, the Z-stop, like to check the height on a new bit. Uh, you're using that on every cut, your clamps, right. and kind of give me a place for that like stuff to live was nice. And I also just totally scrapped my photogra- photography corner. <laughs> right. So I don't know if anybody has been wondering, hey, you, you used to have nicer pictures. Uh, that's cause I actually s- sold the camera and I bought tools and I moved that table that I used uh, for photography right in the middle of my workshop. Cause I was always working on that stupid folding table. And I was like, I have a perfectly good desk over there for pictures. I'm putting that in my shop. <laughs> so I, dra- I dragged that over. I put all my favorite tools on it. I put the clamps along the side of it, and then I hang like extension cables and stuff off the clamps. And my Dremel hangs onto a clamp, and uh, my two printers are beside me. My CNC's, or my two printers are behind me. My CNC is beside me, and I'm working at a desk with my airbrush stuff on the left. And as far as the space I have, I actually really enjoy working in that, uh, in that shop now because I feel like. Like, I find I work best with two projects on the go at the same time. So, for example, the project I'm doing now, uh, I have a gigantic skull being made on the CNC in, like, 54 pieces total. So I set up a piece on the CNC, get it started, and while it's cutting, I turn and I start, and I've started to paint and kind of, well, I'm still sanding and painting on this uh, Viking model I've been working on. But it's like it's you're right, like I've totally hit my stride in the shot that you can kind of figure out what is productive to you uh, in the space you have. And if I was to show you pictures of when I very first started this, like the garage is a completely different place. It's crazy that I right. brought that up
1: yeah and that's it's it's funny because i'm about ready to well i mean as we spoke before we're expanding so i'll be building a bigger shop and we are hiring for a cad designer and an intern and a film editor if anybody is interested you can just email me at blue horse studios with your resume and uh, we'll take a look at it but yeah i mean like um like right now until my new shop is built I'm already planning about how to reorganize the one that I have for you know a more efficient workflow. It's like what is that what is that term uh, uh first order of retrievability? Uh, yeah <laughs> and that's so the one. um you know, you always want things that you can access quickly. You know, especially the one, the tools that you use most often. And then, you know, you made the point of, you know, you scrap in your photography table for a more efficient space of where you're going to do more productive work. And that's a smart move, because if you're going to find that workbench is giving you more production than a photography table, yeah, actually burn it down. You know, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's what you want. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I would love to have a photography studio too. You know, a dedicated photo area, and that. Will be uh, most likely a part of the new shop that we built, but I can't I can't sacrifice that square footage for you know something you know it if I can use for something else like another workbench you know or you know because to be surprised in like when how many. How how quickly things get filled up when you know when you have several projects going, and I you know to lead to your point where you have like two projects going you know all the time you know I I I love that workflow as well I like to be able to, if I'm like working on one I can jump over and work on another one a little bit too if I get kind of just bored or a hit of rut or you know just gets into like a routine it's nice to bounce back in between projects and let my clients hate that. But you know, for me, that's part of my workflow. That's part of my creative process. That's what keeps me inspired is being able to, you know, work on different things. It's like in the morning, like I start my day, you know with a cup of coffee and i get on you know youtube and i watch you know these japanese model makers i'll watch you know adam savage untested and go watch some woodworkers and then you know after a couple cups of coffee i'm like ready to go you know my creative juices are going and so it's you know it's it's you know i i believe that you're responsible for your own creative vision and your own creative passion and and staying inspired every day I, people that sit around and wait for inspiration you're not going to get a lot of work done that way. You got to, you got to find your own creative juices. And I, and, and like, and back to your point of, you know, having multi pro multiple projects, working on at the same time, that's one of the ways that I stay inspired too, because it's so nice to revisit a project that you're working on that you haven't finished and kind of go back to it. Cause every, every project for me, I have to step back from at a point anyways, and look at it, you know, with a fresh set of eyes to go from, beginning to end is not really likely. Um, as most creative people will tell you that most artists will tell you that it's, it's very rare that you start a project and finish it in one span. A lot of it is like two steps forward, three steps back, you know, or you even just scrap it and start over because what you're creating doesn't it's not completing your vision of, of the project. And I go through that quite a bit as well to where I'll start something. And I just, I mean, it's just not coming along the way that I see it in my head. And so I'll scrap it. It's easier for me to start over than it is for me to try to fix it. And sometimes stepping back from a project and going, working on something else is kind of like the Kickstarter that you need.
0: I have a question. So what I've noticed about myself, sorry, I changed my headphones what I've noticed about myself is I totally do a lot of what you're saying, but do you find like, man, no project I start ever turns out the way I thought it would because, (laughs) because I take those breaks. And then while I'm on that break, you know, you kind of think it over you, you maybe were faced with something. So for example, this giant skull I'm building, Mm -hmm. I don't exactly know what I'm going to do with it. I have like four ways it can end up, but a lot of the things, have changed because of, well, one was the client, you know, that it was for actually changed. Uh, and another one was the material I had to use changed. Cause when I got to the hardware store, uh, my bank said, no, you can't buy the material that you yeah. wanted to It's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I kind of changed routes on that, but now I'm, re- but then, so I started off real slow with it, took a complete break on it. And now that yeah. I've been back at it this week, I love this project. Like, it's all yeah. I want to build. Yeah. And I don't even know exactly how it's going to end up. But because of that break you were t- you were talking about, I don't know. It's like your brain shapes it and then decides to pull the curtain back when you're ready of, oh, yeah, this was actually really dope. You just didn't know it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like a lot of projects, you know, kind of go that way. They go to where you know they they look like they're going down a shit hole, and then you come out the other <laughs> side, and, and they and they just they they're just absolutely beautiful. Like for me, if I can't visualize it, if I can't see it, like like if a client approaches me for a project, and they're saying, okay, we're we're having this, you know, we want this done. If I can't envision it right there in that first first initial conversation, I tend to pass that project on to somebody else because for me if i can't visualize it i can't create a 3d map of it and a 3d blueprint of it to be able to create it and i just struggle with it um and again it's like i always you know said i think i've said this to you before don't ever let the client dictate what you create you know they come they're coming to you for a reason they're coming to you for your craftsmanship and you if they have if they have a vision for you to create something for them ultimately it's your vision that allows you to create that so you as a creator should have ultimate say on what is what is being created and, and because they're trusting your vision to get this done um of course you know you have to follow the guidelines and parameters of, of what you're building for them and and follow the client's requests but In the end, you are the creator. You're the one that is making this. You're the one that's putting your name on it. It's your from your heart. It's from your passion. It's from your vision. And that's the imprint that you're putting on this project. And I always say that in my um, in my early design conversations with clients is that, you know, I can give you a mock up because they always want mock ups. I'm like, I can give you a mock up, but it we we'll be just spinning our wheels with this. You can send this up and down the ladder as far as you want to, you know, but at the end of the day, it's probably not going to look like this because you know, what happens during projects is that you may have an, the client may approach you with an idea about what to create and you may come up with something that, okay, that is pleasing for the client but as you start the creative process and you start building you come up with so many different ideas while you're building i'm like okay this is gonna this would look better or what i originally put in the mock-up that is not going to work so you have to like alter your plans and a lot of times like for me is like a lot of things that i show in the mock-up <laughs> um the in product looks nothing like what's in seen in the mock-up and the client always ends up loving the final version better and the reason the reason for that is because the mock up process and the design you know consultations that's i mean yeah there is a little bit of creative flow going back and forth but for me that's not where where the building and the creativity starts it starts when i start you know when i get my hands dirty and a lot of things change during that build process and so i always just trust that process and if i ever like have something where it's going to go completely off the rail from different from what you know the client is thinking i'll kind of like shoot them an idea and say hey this is what's going to look better and nine times out of ten it's you know it's usually always works out great you know there's a very few times <laughs> i can give you a couple of examples but um <laughs> there's a very it's a very there are very few times that it it, it doesn't work out well and i can can think of maybe one once or twice in the 17 years i've been doing this that you know it (laughs) that it it didn't go it didn't go my way but um yeah i think trusting your creative process and trusting you know your craft and you know what you do and 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 believing in and your vision is 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 the right path and it kind of gets me back to my very early point of of you know of staying on what you feel is your calling and what your vision is and entrusting your vision and you have to follow that all the way through with your projects too i'm like i it's like i i love creating like crazy interesting things for clients but i also you know like creating like things just for myself as well you know it's like we uh we did this project for uh for corsair um several years back and uh, this is like one of those this is one of those times that it didn't go well. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) so (laughs) we, um, so we were doing this project for um, square Enix. I I can't remember which final fantasy game it was for, but it was, it was one of them, (laughs) one of the many that they have. And we are building this um, church and they wanted, um, they wanted this church created with all the stained glass and, you know, basically, you know, all the architecture of this church. So I started building this church and I, um, I sent it off, you know, cause they, always, they always want in progress pits, picks. And I always hate sending in progress picks because a lot of, a lot of times people don't know what they're looking at, you know, and they want you to change things before you even finish. So I'm like, I'm very wary of sending in progress picks to anybody. And so they, yeah, that- yeah so they demanded some in progress picks. And so I sent it off to them and they're like okay that does look like the church but why is it gray it's supposed to be gold and i'm like well that's the primer coat and it hasn't been painted yet there's still a lot of sculpting to do i still need to put all this stuff in before i can start the painting process and second email but it's like okay we understand that but why is it gray i'm like i just told you it's the <laughs> primer coat the primer is the base for the paint you have to have a primer coat before you can lay down your foundations for your first color coats and they're like nope well i think we're just gonna scrap this project and just gonna go in into a different direction and really <laughs> yeah and what? so yeah and And so I'm like, okay. And so a week or two go by and I haven't heard from them or because this project came down through square Enix and it went through Corsair and Corsair reached out to me and they said, Hey, can you build them a fat chocobo instead? I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, so what happens with this project that is 90% done? I'm like, this is, this is not a do over. It's not like a, you know, a, a taste sample where you get to go in and get like a free sample. And if you don't like it, you try something else. No, no. I'm like, if you, if, <laughs> if we're going down another path, this is a whole nother invoice process. And so had to go through that whole invoice process again. And so I built them a fat chocobo in the meantime, I finished the church since it was already 90% done. And so I sent them off the final picks to the, of the church <laughs> to Square Enix. And they're like, wait, what is this? And I'm like, well, that's the church that you guys wanted, that you shot down. <laughs> and they're like, no, wait, no, we want this. We want it now. And I'm like, well, you can't have it now. You shot it down. It's mine. And so, like, I'm keeping it. It's it's my project now. And so, oh man, yeah, so that, that's kind of one of those, like, you know, th- I mean, it, it did work out in the end, but, um, yeah, they, I built them the fat chocobo and they love the fat chocobo, but they are like, okay, well, what, you know, what's, what's happening with this church? What's going, you know? And I'm like, well, this is, you know, you guys said that It didn't meet the guidelines of your project, but you're looking at a project that was only like 75, 80% finished. They had no color coat and stained glass wasn't in it. I mean, you're looking at an in-progress pick, a work-in-progress picture. If I would have showed you pictures of the fat chocobo in the same stages, you probably would have said the same thing. Why is fat chocobo gray? (laughs) He's yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those things, you know, it's like where... I mean, you you want the you want the client's input, and you you and it's important for them to have to look over your shoulder and see what you're doing. But ultimately, you're the designer, you're the builder, and it, it comes down to you to build what your vision is. And um, I would say, don't let anybody dictate, you know, that design that finished design aspect um, from you. It's it's always going to be something from your vision. And they're coming to you for a reason. They're coming to you for your craftsmanship and for your, if they could do it, they would do it themselves, but they can't. So they're coming to you. So trust that and trust your vision and trust what you do and, and, and just do it well.
0: I love that, man. And that's a really funny story because it kind of, you know, the whole trust your trust, the process saying Mm -hmm. comes into play a lot when you're uh, working with art, but I actually have a question about, that story and I guess it would be like a, an operational question is, is how do you deal with it when, um, let's say you have a client and they want something done
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you, you complete, you complete the build, but there's an aspect of it that you're not happy with. I know for myself, I've done both. I've handed it over and then regretted it, or I've stalled the client and gone and fixed it to where I'm happy with it.
1: Right you know, it's a weird balance. So are you saying whether you as a builder is not happy or the client's not happy with it? No, me as the builder,
0: like if, if they wanted it for Friday and on Friday, I don't like
1: something on it. Yeah. I mean that kind of, I, yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've been there many times and I, I always, I have like a strict policy with myself that I don't let anything leave the shop unless I'm happy with it. I'm like, I don't care. I'll, 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 I'll lose the deadline. Uh, ultimately, if I'm not happy with it, I, I can't, I can't send it out the door. I don't feel right about it. You know, um, a lot of times the client more times than not are understanding of that. And they want the best product they're paying you a lot of money to have these things created, you know, and they, you know, they want the best version of what you're creating too and so if you say hey look you know it's just kind of like you go into a restaurant and you have a steak cooked you know and you have it cooked you you the you know the customer requests it medium rare but the chef overcooks it and it comes out medium any right chef that's worth his salt going to send that steak out? No, he's going to recook it and he's going to do it right. And so it's kind of the way that I look at it, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it comes back to who you are as a builder and your reputation. And, you know, even though, um, the client may not see what you've, what you see, I mean, I, I still, I'm like, I don't like to cut corners. Uh, sometimes like on really tight deadlines, you have to be creative with certain things, but I will never send, send something out the door that I'm not happy with. No way.
0: Yeah, I, I think I struggled kind of learning like who, who I was as an artist for the first few years of doing this. So I would kind of focus on the deadlines as the end all be all. Cause I know a lot of my earlier builds it was really sporadic. I'd have some that turned out really nice and then some that were just boring. And usually the the thing that was causing that was time. Right. I wasn't giving myself enough time to actually do what I was capable of or, you know, with these with these builds. But I find, like, what you said is right, that you now that you know yourself better and you know what you can do, or, like, as an artist, you want to put out the best product possible and people are very... Kind of accommodating and happy to have that right i like that that's for sure and the other thing too is like yeah just knowing what you can do you know you 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 know what you can do but i do find i've struggled a couple times like putting something out that wasn't that good but i worked hard on it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if i put a lot of effort and it still look like crappy you're like ah i really don't want to change that because i worked so hard on it even though it looks crappy <laughs> <laughs> But then you kind of suck it up, right? And okay, I'll tear it down and restart.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all we've all done that many times, and it's like there's things that that I've I've made, and I'm just like, God, that just looks like turd, you know? And <laughs> and uh,
0: it was so difficult to make that turd.
1: Yeah, it is, and that's that's part of that's you know, kind of going back to where you may, you learn more from your mistakes and spend thousands and thousands of dollars in material mistakes. And it, it's true though, you do, it's like uh, like today in the shop, I uh, I uh, made a mistake on a cut and and uh, yeah, it was like, what the heck? I'm like, I, is there a way to salvage this? No, it's a, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. It's a, it's a design cut and you've cut into a piece of material that you can't be used anymore. So it's, you know, you're just looking at $30 of acrylic on the floor and <laughs> it's like, damn, yeah you know, and it's, and it happens and it's like, and that's kind of like, you know, a lot of people like in, in PC modding or any type of craftsmen are always scared to take that leap because, you know, they don't want to make a mistake. I'm like, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make millions of them. And that's part of the, the growing and learning process. You know, it's, that's just what happens.
0: Yeah. When I bought my CNC, so we're, we're hitting an hour for anybody uh, listening. Just want to recapture. I'm sitting down with Ron Christensen at Blue Horse Studios. We're kind of hashing out. uh, You know, he's expanding his shop. He's looking for more guys in the future in Portland. Uh, And what his shop does is PC mods, you know, props. He wants to get into, like, physical effects. What was the word you used for the effects?
1: Practical effects. Practical effects,
0: yeah. And, like, man, you know, I, I really think... So, I believe with podcasting, I think podcasting is going to gain uh, a lot of new listeners in the near future. I know it's already a popular platform, but just because I think people might get a little worn out on the the short, and this is just a personal belief, I know nothing to back it up, but just kind of, sh- I think short form video or even stuff like that might start to, people might get kind of tired of it. So, I'm, you know, I'm believing that maybe the podcast will be a nice medium for that. And, I think practical effects is going to have a bigger place in the future too, because like I just seen a few movies. So I saw black Adam yesterday and it was awesome. Uh, But I went to that movie. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you a spoiler, but if you probably already know that, know the spoiler alert, spoiler alert for black Adam, not about the movie, but that there's a cameo at the end with my man, Henry Cavill as Superman uh, saying we should talk to black Adam. So it's just, I heard that was in there, so I had to see the movie. I'm a big Superman fan. Anyway, that movie was, I, I liked it a lot, but it was like chock full of like really great CGI, but like near the end of the movie, I was going, you know, this has been a lot of CGI. Yeah. You know, like it, it was good and it was good stuff. It's a cool movie, but I didn't see anything, I didn't see much else other than CGI right. through the film. And I think practical effects, like, man, you bring back the Millennium Falcon things like that or like one of my favorite uh parts about the mandalorian series was that the razor crest was a model
1: yeah yeah
0: you know and and just learning that made me so much more immersed in the show right and then when it got blown up made me like cry
1: (laughs) yeah there's, there's something tangible about you know practical effects that it feels you you feel connected to i mean you go back to like the original star wars and you know you know the muppet master that 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 you know worked with yoda and luke you know on dagobah i mean just it it felt so alive and i don't think that's something that i mean it it felt like a real real character you know it actually was a really real character what they put into that you know and the, the practical effects that they put into that i don't think you can capture with cgi there's just something missing it's kind of like um i always looked at it as like that practical effects as the uncanny valley of of special effects it has the it's just it looks good but there's just always something that's just off that just doesn't look right and i don't care how good it is it it just whether it's whether the live actors and how they're acting with like practical or with uh with cgi it's just something it's just not there you know and i think that's why you see a lot of studios like ilm they're going back to practical effects because they realize i mean there's practical effects are good for some things but you can't recreate that actual physical character on screen you know by using you know cgi and, and so it's like weta workshops is doing it now they're doing a lot of the like a lot of the practical effects again and you know using cgi for certain things but like live action characters and stuff like that you know like like bba i mean he could have been a totally prac or cgi character but they used him he was a practical practical effect model you know it's like examples like that and that's kind of like where we're going with with blue horse studios is kind of getting into that area and um, i'm so excited about it and and the funny thing is like we've been talking for an hour and five minutes and it, it feels like we've just been jabbing like two old buddies at a bar you know just you know talking about shop and work and stuff like that and it's like anybody that is listening to this podcast you know if you if you're on any sort of like creative journey and you wanted like whatever it's like get your hands dirty whether it's woodworking, PC, modding, painting, sculpting, photography, you know, blacksmithing, just get out there and do it, you know, and if you guys have any questions to, you know, either Derek or I, I'm like the, for me, one of the the greatest things about, you know, being a craftsman is also being to share, you know, the journey and, and, and teaching what was taught to me. So I'm, I'm always available and reachable on any one of my social program. Um, like Instagram, Facebook. So if anybody has any questions for me and wants to contact me about anything, I'm more than happy to help with anybody. You know, I, I love that part of, of, of my job is helping other people along their creative journey and getting started.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I love that too, man. And for people to find you, you know, just again, it's blue horse studios on Instagram, Facebook. he has got a website, YouTube. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe in share everything. The more that we share with each other, uh, the better. I want to give one quick shout out again to Woosh and, and you know uh, thank them for sponsoring me and the show. If you guys pick up some of their products over on Shopify, as uh, the Woosh at the B2B store for Canada or global use code ROADSPC to save yourself 15% and 5% of that will go back to me to support uh, the podcast and PC modding and possibly uh help pay for an immigration lawyer to get down to the states
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that'd be awesome that'd be the dream yeah we awesome got- man well thanks thanks for uh you know spending this time with me ron and sharing your insights and where you come from and where you want to go man really appreciate it
1: yeah next time uh, we have to talk and get a little bit more into the hardware vendor side and like a, kind of like the ins and outs of the industry I and mean, we talk more of like just like creative studios and stuff like that, which I think is probably pretty good. And it's like, uh, um, but I'd love to chat more with you about the industry.
0: Yeah. I'd like that too. And we should shout out like, uh, you know, I've recently been given a lot of grace from Intel and met everybody at Bento and yeah, things like that. I know those are friends of yours. So if any of them are listening, I appreciate you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're the best.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again, for everybody listening and, uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks, Ron. Thank you.